Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 135 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. The Air Force is one of the organizations, Robert, as you know, inside the uh, entire enterprise of the federal government that is really trying to take uh, an innovative approach to acquisition, the way that they try to not just work with the vendor base that serves the department now, but to work with vendors who would maybe like to serve the department or don't never thought about that possibility before or don't know how to do it. They really have made a deliberate effort to try to broaden the supply chain that's coming into the Air Force. Yeah, people have shared with us their big rocks, their big challenges with acquisition. One is it's hard to do. The other is the impact that has on how many people are willing to do business with the government. And so the whole focus of our acquisition system is to get more and more choices for buyers so they know they're getting the very best at the best price of whatever it is they're trying to purchase. One of the people on the front lines of doing that is Teresa Terry, Branch Chief and Contracting Officer for the Air Force. Uh, Teresa, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. We've seen reports, and I have talked to Secretary Roper on occasion, about how that is working at the enterprise level. For somebody like you who's really on the front lines of this, Teresa, what does that effort to bring innovative solutions and to bring a a more diverse vendor base into the department look like? I'm going to tell you, um, I'm having a ball doing it, and I'm so glad that Dr. Roper and General Holt are so supportive of that. Um, I I think the best way to answer this question is to explain one of the initiatives I did. Um, So I did a a really large um, IDIQ with a multiple award, uh, Air Force Strategic Transformation, and uh, we knew that the cutting-edge technology, all those innovative things that are happening out there typically reside in our small businesses or in businesses that won't do business with the government because they're just like, it's too much. So we did an initiative where we told the vendors as they come in as prime, you have to bring non-traditional small businesses in. Not only do you have to bring them in as part of your proposal, you have to teach them the ropes, show them how to get in the SAM, show them what the bid process looks like, and, and by the time they're done with the two years of their program, each of those non-traditional small businesses should be working on getting a contract. And we're going to move on from those ones and then get new ones in every two years. And already within the first quarter, I've seen an exponential amount of smalls get in and start working with the government to learn our language and understanding. I would have never been able to do something like that or that innovative if I didn't have the trust of the leadership that we have now. So I'm having an absolute blast with that, and I'm glad they let us do it. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, it does. And and how much guidance do you or does the force give the primes about where you want them to go find these companies? Or do you just say, that's your thing, you go do it somehow, that's going to be part of the the piece of doing business with us moving forward? That's just the part of doing business. I try not to, uh, to tie their hands. Um, again, the example with this IDIQ I built, I do it. We do it completely different. I am big on outcome based. I don't want to tell contractors how to do what they do because they're the experts. They know the businesses to go find to fill that gap to get us to the next place we need to be. And my only requirement is they cannot have done business with the government before. Go forth and do, and let's make it work. Do you have any big examples, Teresa, about how that really worked to your to your 
to the advantage of the organization? Yeah, so, I mean, so right now, um, the, our A1, our um, manpower and personnel um, director uh, within the Pentagon, our two-letter A1, is working on a large digital transformation where they are moving to cloud-based uh, services. All the platforms are moving to a cloud-based. So um, we just awarded a, a really large uh, task order off of this IDIQ, and um, uh, the winner, KPMG, because it's public, they were able to bring in uh, a really nice uh, non-traditional small, and they are actually doing some of that, that, that frontline work for that transformation to move things to the cloud. Now, I'm not that technical to be able to tell you exactly what they're doing. They put it for me in an email. I'll put it in my appraisal, <laughs> but that's about as far as I can go. So, but it's really cool to see, and, and the program they came up with was just so awesome, and they're helping them get in these businesses, uh, security clearance, uh, facility clearances and things. I just I just encourage other contracting officers or other contracting shops to push that 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 program forward and and require that I just think will it'll be a huge benefit for the government. So, so that leads me to another question: what 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 do you see across government people trying to emulate what you're doing, or do you see this as a trend that we can expect to see more of? I think so, um, and and gosh, I this is so not me. But I've seen a few RFPs come out or either source of thought that looked identical to what we built um, when we did um, Air Force Strategic Transformation Support. Um, and that means that what we did has some goodness to it. And I think now that I've got some good news stories about about, about putting that, that line in there about non-traditionals um, to help us get there, even, even by using the FAR, though, too. You're not having to do OTA or anything. It's just you get to use the FAR with this, with this method. I think more are asking about it. I had a really good conversation with all the services, actually, some of their contract folks to just ask what do we do and how do we do it, and it's been really good feedback. So I'm looking forward to telling the, the small business office a good news story. Again, we're right in the first quarter of it, so we're still trying to feel it out, but this first this first round has been fantastic. There's no safer place than Fed heads to toot your own horn, so please, <laughs> by all means. <laughs> I do not. I don't like that part of it. So we don't talk about me too much. I'll be happy. <laughs> we'll toot your horn for you. We'll tell you what a great job you're doing for you, uh, Teresa. What's the role or what's the responsibility of the Air Force once you are introduced to these companies through the primes to help them stay on the path to continue to want to serve you and your peers across the Defense Department? Great question. So I've offered to each of the primes on this particular vehicle that as you're doing the training classes with them or doing uh, anything like that for me to be able to um, show up and help. And I always tell them they have direct access to me and my team. Um, those subs can reach out and get to get training from us like I would do for any small business. So we do offer support for them as they go through that. What do you think builds on this success that you're having, Teresa? What are the things that you would like to see, tools you'd like to have, or anything that will help you perpetuate the success that you're having in the event that leadership changes and priorities change inside the department? You know, um, I don't, that's a really good question. I, I think the tools that we need to continue to have is the trust in contracting officers. I think that even the, the leadership that was in place that allowed me to do what I did, we need to replicate that over and over and over again. Um, is everything that we come up with going to work? No. We're going to fail, fail miserably, um, and that's okay. That's how you learn not to do that again. But I think the – I don't want to get into the 
get it to the point where it's put in a regulation or something like that, unless it's still going to allow contracting officers to be flexible. But if that's what it takes in order for us to get to these small or get to these non-traditional businesses, large or small, and by putting it, by codifying it, then let's do it. Because I think the goodness is just, it's worth it. But the biggest thing is going to be leadership support to continue to come up with innovative ways to do what we're doing. That's an interesting dilemma, right? Do you codify a good practice or keep it organic and let it morph and grow? One of your challenges has got to be with an organization as large as yours, introducing new contractors, they suddenly grow and become entrenched. How do you keep a fresh pool? Do you, do you think there'll be any limitation on that in the future? I don't as long as we put limitations within our program. Um, for example, and, and, and obviously anyone listening, if you have a better way of doing this, I'm always willing to hear. I tell them that they only get two years for that status to, for that non-traditional status to stay, and then you've got to rotate. You got to get another vend- You have to get another set of vendors in there to to keep it fresh. After, and I don't put a cap on how many non-traditionals they have either. But there is a minimum that they have to have and give business and do business with throughout the life of the um, throughout the life of the contract. You mentioned other transaction authorities a moment ago, Teresa. They're really hot. People talk about them a lot. What I take away from that comment that you made was you were specific to point out they're not necessary to do the kinds of innovative things that you want to do. What What is necessary moving forward or what will you try to build on that you're doing now to try to continue to, to keep the momentum going and and to perpetuate the, the success that you're having? Transparency, conversations with other CEOs, lessons learned. I think that CEOs right now, we kind of tend to work in a box. We work in our own silos. We don't bother reaching across to another service to say, hey, what are you doing? We don't bother calling a friend or old colleague that retired. What did you do back then? What can we do different now? Um, I think the best way to perpetuate that and keep this going is to get with our policy folks and talk to them about ways that we could do things or we can loosen policy or loosen the regulations enough to where we have parameters so we can do what we're supposed to do but we can keep moving forward. And as long as it's, 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 it's extremely restrictive um, and that we have 15 layers of approval, <laughs> if you guys work contract, you know what I mean? Um, 15 <laughs> layers, that, those things will never stick. We can't. So I, So right now, what I'm afraid of happening is what we were able to do with this contract vehicle that was so innovative is going to get stifled because someone's going to make a mistake and people are going to get scared and they're going to clamp down on how we do it. I really hope that we continue to push the envelope, go through a protest or three, figure out the best way to do it, and let's keep moving forward and building on it and getting better. But the best way to do this is trust. You've got to trust the people that you hand warrants to or it's not going to work. That exchange of information that you said isn't happening as much as you'd like it to see where you're talking to your peers across the Air Force or maybe in another branch or the retired person that has a body of knowledge. Is there a space, do you think, for that to be codified somehow, either formally or informally, where those exchanges happen maybe a little bit more deliberately than it sounds like they're happening, Teresa? So I know for the Air Force, we have the ACE. We have places where people are experts, and they, or you can reach out to even DAU. I just don't, I don't know what the apprehension is to call, to phone a friend. 
I never hmm. understood it. And I, I, again, I think people think I'm nuts, but I, I'm fine with that. But I'll call anybody. Matter of fact, I even call industry. I call them and say, hey, do you think this is this is crazy? And they're like, absolutely, Teresa, but go for it. <laughs> I don't shut myself <laughs> off. <laughs> I, right, but I don't shut myself off to just reaching to the person next to me. I pick up the phone and I say, hey, Navy, you guys did this. What, what were your pitfalls? How did it go? What was your clearance like? Did you? I ask the questions. And then even, for instance, for this particular requirement, I'm only talking about it because it was so much fun. When we did the, um, the final draft RFP, and I guess we did our pre-award conference, we did a live update to the RFP in front of everybody. And all of their inputs they saw on that screen on, on what we were going to do. And then when I submitted it for clearance, it didn't deviate much except for my poorly written English. But besides that, it was <laughs> so things like that are what we need to do. We need to continue to just talk, have a conversation, pick the phone and, and listen. And I'm telling you, industry has great ideas. Of course, they're going to try to shape it to themselves. But even still, don't close yourself off from communicating. And then to codify it, again, once you put regulations around it, no one wants to do it. Just think about the peer reviews at OSC level. You figure out a dollar for threshold for that, and people are like, oh, gosh, can we just cut off a year so we don't have to bother? Because we've made it so cumbersome and so and, and you feel beat up by the time you're finished that it's not doing any good. So I think that we should just tell people and make it known, hey, we've done this before. Here are some lessons learned. I don't care if we made a website or a repository of just stuff. We've got to find a way to do it without making it mandatory. Because as soon as you make it mandatory, it becomes a chore, and you lose that 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 energy that you have from just talking to someone. Teresa, it's great to hear about your successes, and I thank you very much for coming on and talking to Robert and I today. Thanks, Teresa. We really appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for even having me. Thanks for listening to the Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.